Hello and welcome to On the Corner, the official podcast of PitcherList.com. I'm your host, Eric Samolski, joined by the man himself. Took him, he's like the, the George R.R. R. Martin of fantasy baseball, but he wow. finally finished that novel. It's Nick Pollock. What is happening? The suggestion that I wouldn't actually ever finish it is wrong. I, I but you just think it's wrong. Look, I'm reading, I'm reading uh, The Way of Kings right now, Sanderson. That's a 1,200-page book. Okay, so I'll go with Sanderson. How about that? Okay. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm changing my own nickname. <laughs> uh, what's up, y'all? We are past the top 400 officially dropping. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm so sorry. I made a stupid mistake of adding video to every picture because I thought to myself like this is the coolest thing ever you get actually video so you can see them and I know how I see all the guys I know what they look like but you don't you're not crazy like me so here you go here's video for like 150 guys then I didn't realize that wait that would just destroy the speed of it completely oh yeah and it like crashed for everyone I'm just such an idiot I gave so, you a hard time on the discord I was like you broke my phone but it was everyone, like <laughs> it, it, everyone, deservedly so I understand everyone's you know I, I messed up Meanwhile, is, like Eric Samolski put out his top 100. That thing like breezed by. That was so easy. Quick, <laughs> easy, open. You, you wrote all these blurbs. So easy to read. It was literally right. a quarter of a quarter of the work. Doesn't matter. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. It's not, by the way. The, you read the blurbs yeah. at the end. I literally had Tyler Beatty at 400, and that was like the, the best thing ever. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, like, having, having done mine um, and people that I know, like friends of mine that were like, that read it was the first time I put out rankings like that. And they were like, man, that's like really thorough. Like, congratulations. It makes me just more in awe of what you did just because it's, it is a task, man. Like it's a tall task. And you were the one who suggested I write the blurbs and I, I totally like, it really helped crystallize the process a lot. So I'm thankful for that, but I can only imagine if I had to keep doing more. It is, um, it is it is an endeavor it's a tall task and uh, well so thank you to you for putting it out there into the hey, world i'm proud of you for doing it um i i do those morning streams for months and the blurbs that you read are some of them were written in november so uh in season's a lot easier because it's like i just wrote about all these guys this past week this is just yeah. off the top of my head for like an hour straight and that's fine I but anyway some, some similarity with the with the pitcher rotation breakdowns but i just it's it's good stuff um so yeah so make make sure you check that out we are obviously uh gonna be working our way through the top 400 as much as possible um we're gonna do pockets for a while and then we'll kind of just break down some of the you know when we get to those later stages we'll break down some of the guys that are more interesting to us Uh, i'm sure as we get into spring training nick and i'll start talking about you know movers and all that kind of news uh pitchers and catchers reported for a lot of teams already it's exciting you're seeing guys throw bullpens that are not great for fantasy analysis but just great to see guys gotta, on the mound and throw i gotta in. interrupt um, you i gotta interrupt you right now because everyone doesn't know what eric does for me okay he does this beautiful beautiful thing at first i was like what are you doing because he should be doing this inside the discord and he does it on twitter which is just so funny for me but what eric does is just randomly anytime he sees a tweet about a pitcher in the offseason about some news something he just sends me a dm of it and like, I don't always see them. Sometimes I do. I'm like, Eric, I know. Of course I saw Shane Bieber's bullpen. Right. Come on. <laughs> but it's wonderful. It's like my just double checking that I see these things. It is awesome. You've sent me some very interesting ones. And some of them I've been like, come on, Eric. Like, that's not real. Get out of here. I don't care. 
I try to send you only the like random deep ones where it's like, sure. yeah, I, I had to show you the Bieber one because it was, I thought it was interesting. Um, yeah. But the, yeah, but it's, you know, that's the, that's the roto world. Like I'm doing the blurbs and you're checking yeah. just like ingesting so much info. And then I see like, you know, Mike Curlin has a screenshot of like a Bryce Harper's learning a new pitch blur. And I'm like, oh, Hey, man. you're, you're welcome. I like that. I was just grinding through reports and and oh that was and you you did you did the yeah. bryce miller one Aww. yeah i did the bryce miller one i did That's the big uh, one the, that was the, then the lance Masowski, you put share that yeah. one too yeah but it's it's just it's it's fun and it's been a, it, it that has also been interesting for me is like i feel like i'm getting a lot more info um than i had yeah. before and i'm excited to kind of see it all it all play out you know and then you got to do the you know we are all geared up right now for baseball we love it and then you just kind of rein it in. Like you'll see that first bullpen, try not to overreact, rein it in a little bit. Um, but it's exciting. We'll get to talk about actual, um, you know, real recent live um, bullpens and pitcher news and stuff soon. Um, and, and I, uh, I, I want to remind everybody, you, you guys are quickly going to be like, well, what do you think about the Bryce Miller thing? We'll talk about him today. Shane Bieber will be the next one. <laughs> uh, but I'm trying to find it right now and I can't. Uh, Alex Fast and I, would always, always, always send us, send each other back and forth. Yeah, I got it. There we go. Uh, I'm going to send it to Eric now. I'll probably put it out on Twitter later today, um, which is the Bart Simpson image of I will not let a new pitch sway me oh, yeah. uh, on the blackboard. And, uh, you know, I understand the whole Bryce Miller thing. We'll talk about that soon. The, the Shane Bieber thing we'll talk about soon. Just keep that in mind a lot this yes. offseason. Um, but uh, we'll see. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh- I'll toot, I'll toot my own horn for a little bit on that, but you can check out a, a series that I will continue to do. It's the series that won me um, one of the FSWA awards, which is Pitchers with New Pitches and Should We Care, which basically just tries to look at that, which is like, hey, this pitcher is throwing this pitch. Does it matter? How does it work with the rest of the arsenal? Does it fix a hole that the pitcher had in you know his, his repertoire? Like, do I care that this pitcher is doing this? Um, and I think you, we do have to ask ourselves that question. It's great when somebody's throwing a new pitch. Does it actually help them do the thing they they need to do? Right. If a pitcher is struggling uh, uh, to get out lefties and he has a new slider, like that's great. But if that slider isn't designed to get lefties out, if it's like a sweeper that he's right. lefties, that that's not going to help. So you need to kind of like keep that that stuff in context. And- Nick and I will do our best to help you through that as well. And it's so rare to see a new pitch all of a sudden become like a 15, 20% usage as well. Uh, yeah, it's it's tough to discern. Where like he, I part of the reason I went with that blurb is that he specifically said, I'll probably work these in a little bit more as the season goes on or whatever his quote was, was basically like, I'm not going to throw this a lot right away. Like right. I'm going to build it up and I'm going to work it in. And that's the case for a lot of these guys, right? Like, yeah, they've been throwing them through the off season, but it's not immediate. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about some of these guys um, with this episode uh, that like have some new pitches, but you know, they're going to go in and out They're You know, they're, they didn't always have success with it early on. Yep. Um, so as we jump in here, we're going through pitchers uh, 41 through 60 today. So again, you can check along um, on the, the list on Pitcher List and you can kind of see where we're going. You can listen here. We are not going to modify Nick's list as we go through. We're going as it as it happens. Um, so you'll know always the pitchers we're going to talk about. Um, we have two tiers today. Um, we are starting with a fresh tier. 
And because we are about to get hit with some snow here in New York, um, the the names of the tiers today, mm. uh, it's only two things, but you're going to name them after snow day activities. Oh, wow. Um, can be your can be current as an adult. It could be as a kid. Um, things that you would do if you had a full day because yeah. of snow. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll let you think about that as we go through this. Uh, so tier seven, this is uh, starting picture 41. Tier seven, Nick titled his tiers, which is awesome. Uh, tier seven is called, I have to put them somewhere. Uh, 41, Dylan Cease. 42, Justin Verlander. 43, Chris Bassett. 44, Brian Bayo. 45, Merrill Kelly. 46, Christopher Sanchez. 47, Walker Bueller. 48, Jose Barrios. And 49, Jordan Montgomery. What snow day activity is this tier? Uh, this would be, honestly, it's just, it's sledding because this is like the safety normal one. It's tier seven, guys. All right. I know, like, I'm supposed to say something else here, but I don't know. It's a snow day. What do you do? You go to the park and you go sledding. <laughs> that's like, that, wh- what are you supposed to do? Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty straightforward. But no, that, this is great because I think that um, there are some pictures in here who are of interest and sledding can sometimes be fun, you know, even though yeah. it's the old standby. It's not it's not fully boring. Um, let's talk through the, the top two guys are. Dylan Cease and Justin Verlander, they're pitchers that you had some level of concern about in our earlier discussions. Um, this feels like a ranking where you're just kind of like I, I, a hat tip to the talent if things break right, but maybe not a belief that things will actually break right. Yeah, it's uh, with Dylan Cease. Look, I recognize that you're going to get a lot of strikeouts. I really like every year. There's always like the Matthew Boyd, Robbie Ray types of old. If you remember this from like 2017, 18, 19, there are these guys that we really trust the ratio side, but we know it's going to be a lot of strikeouts. And you could throw in Hunter Green a little bit from this, but honestly, at least we've seen from Dylan Cease a full season's worth of being far better than that uh, ridiculousness. With Cease, it's a situation of I just don't believe in his command and in execution consistently. Uh, four seamers were really weird against lefties. It's actually kind of interesting. In 2022, Dylan Cease's four seamer had a sub 50% strike rate, but they were not pummeled at all uh, when they were put into play because of that. However, in 2023, it raised up to like 65% strikes, and that meant that they just hit it and <laughs> they, they crushed the pitch. Um, that's not good. And meanwhile, the slider actually was far worse against righties. And you think about a slider, especially one that is supposed to be so incredible from Dylan C's 21% overall swing strike rate on this. That's supposed to be so good against righties specifically, you know, same handed sliders. And the fact that he just cannot throw strikes with it, cannot earn it meant that he had to throw more four seamers. that doesn't command super well. And voila, there's your problem for the 142 whip over 177 innings. And I'll be honest with you guys. I think so many people are just overlooking how much of a negative that is. We're not talking like a one two five, a one four two last year. And oh, sure, it should be better, all that kind of stuff. Ten percent walk rate, which is in line with what he does, and a hipper nine close to nine. What do you think is going to be different? Like a seven point five hipper nine that the walk rate's going to go down to like eight percent or something? He's going to hurt you in a massive way in the whip uh, category. And it wasn't like it was a thirty five percent strike rate; it was a twenty seven percent strikeout rate across one hundred and seventy seven innings. It, to me, the whole thing is just 
we're waiting for him to get unlocked again. And it's different when you're getting unlocked of, oh, cool, just change your approach or, you know, just learn this new pitch or something like that. But when it's with a big command problem that is Dylan Cease, that's mm-hmm. not an easy thing to fix. So I I don't want this volatility in my life. I have him at 41 because I'm just throwing my hands up of like, all right, I'm, I'm, I recognize that there is a possibility that he, he goes off again and has a crazy good time. But yeah, I don't want to draft Dylan Cease. I get it. Um, I guess the, the question, it seems for all intents and purposes like he will be somewhere else maybe for the second half of the year. But but again, who knows? There there's a risk in that. It's not he's not on a, in, on an expiring deal. There's another year. Do you factor that in in this ranking at all that like if he was in a better environment, maybe you would rank him a little higher or is that just like um it's I possible. If I felt like he went to the Rays, honestly. I mean, I'm not going to that's just how it is. If you go to the Rays, I'm going to uh you know, I'm going to be more favorable. Mm-hmm. Um going to the Yankees? No. I, I mean, I don't I guess I'll put it this way. Like I need to know generally if there's an easy way out here, you know, like what is it that he adds? Does he find a, a cutter all of a sudden that really works for him? Maybe, right. you know, he clearly can't throw a change up effectively. His curveball is way too big and just uh, inconsistent. Um, I don't really know what he's supposed to do to, to make those tweaks. It's possible. Um, it's just not really a wager I want to make. And by the way, I just want to throw something out there really quickly. I, I know I just mentioned that I want to put out the Bart Simpson thing. Literally, someone just DM'd me and said, well, I was going to show you my new pitches. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm like, gonna. now it makes me want to show you mine. <laughs> oh, man, oh, that's hilarious. So I got, yeah, I got some video because of that stupid Bart Simpson image. Sorry, I just think that's hilarious. Um, but I'm not going to believe it. Sorry, buddy. Anyway, uh, yeah, Dylan sees I can't do it. I just can't. Um, I, I get that. I was I was bigger on him going into last year. I felt like um, I had fully bought in. Uh, was perhaps a little blind to the reality of the situation last year. Um, and just how far he had kind of been out of, over his skis in that career year, and and how unsustainable it was. I think the raw stuff is really good and i think it's just kind of like reining in the the understanding that like raw stuff is great but it is not um it's it's not enough right there needs to be an approach and there needs to be command and there needs to be all that stuff and um i would love to be wrong i'd love for him to you know find it um but i'm not sure i i mentioned also i feel like we kind of talked each other into the ranking with Justin Verlander. And it's really interesting that um, we actually both wound up and Nick and I, you know, Nick didn't show me his rankings. No. Before. Um, this is why Eric's a before he published co-host guys. And, and I had, I wound up with Justin Verlander. I moved Justin Verlander from 32 in my initial list. And I think you had him somewhere. Like you said, like 60 and you talked me down and me and I don't know, I guess you also talked to Eno. I wound up with Justin Verlander at 41 and you have Justin Verlander at 42. Yeah, I actually, I think I literally had it swapped. And then I talked to Eno and Eno called him Nolan Ryan. And I was like, oh, dang it. Dang it. This is on the craft. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It's funny. Also, we were going on uh, Joe Rico's podcast. Guys, listen to that. This is 500th episode. It's awesome. I, we went on together. The next day, and we had Justin Verlander on the slate. And we're like, we just went like 20 minutes. We can't. We, I mean, we could. 
Um, long story short, Justin Verlander is I I think I am slightly underrating the fact that uh, his fastball is still so hard to hit. He had a 35% overall ICR last year. Um, that's There's something really to that about having a sub eight hit per nine and a sub 7% walk rate. Uh, there's a chance the slider returns and gets more strikeouts. This ranking is really rooted in the fact that I just don't see Justin Verlander as a 25% strikeout guy again. And if anything, if, if life has told us something, is that time is undefeated, just like Coors. So it's only going to get worse before it gets better in this way which means that that 21.5% goes down to 20% or 19%. The ERA at 322, 113 should get worse over time, et cetera, et cetera. He started this season injured last year, 162 innings. And uh, for the full season, seemed like higher than what it will be now. I just see this as the the peak. And if this is a plateau, that's pretty cool. But uh, considering that everyone in the top 40 has a much higher ceiling in my view, I'm out. However, like I can't, I can't shake this feeling of like, yeah, but Justin Berlin's gonna get like 15 wins, and it's oh, it's killing me right now. And I'm probably gonna be the low man of Berlin. I'm gonna probably get burned by it. Like everyone who has Justin Berlin's gonna be, like, yeah, this. I'm really happy that I just and I, I bet you in the next update, I'm gonna have Berlin like 35 or something. And I get it. I I just don't know what to do with him because I feel like he should get worse, and which means a 20% yeah. strikeout rate should happen. Like, do I really want to draft a 20% strikeout rate in like 35 pitcher? I don't know. It's it's tough. So we've we've talked about him enough that like we don't need to belabor the point. I I think I am more optimistic that the strikeout rate doesn't fall as much as you do. I don't yeah. think he's getting it back. I just don't think it's falling as much. And I trust his ability to pitch and and you know to get outs and to create you know, weaker contact. Um, the team environment is is good. Um, and I think the interesting thing is, yeah, he might move up rankings because you and I both have tiers ahead of him that are like more exciting and younger guys who could develop. But a lot of those guys, like if you see in spring training and, you know, you're looking at guys like I'm just even looking from, okay, like from your list, like, you know, Brian Wu, and Shota Imanaga and Joe Ryan and Nick Pavetta, um, Shane Boz. Like, there are some guys in there who they could have springs where you're like, yeah, I don't, maybe I'm not as excited anymore. And then all of a sudden, Justin Verlander is in the, you know, closer to 30. Um, but I think you have to bake in some risk there. Um, and before yeah. we get to our, our break, I just like, can you convince me? Maybe you can't convince me to roster Chris Bassett, but I can't do it, man. Like <laughs> every, everything su- suggests that at some point in time, it's just going to blow up. He gets hit hard. He doesn't get no. He doesn't. Misses. He doesn't. He sorry. Doesn't he doesn't, doesn't get hit hard. hard. He but he doesn't get. He gives up a lot of contact. He doesn't give swings you and know misses. What? There's nothing uh, in his pitch mix it. that stands out. It's just like, it's so simple. So I so Eno talks about this a lot, and I, I feel like it's like one of the magic things. I know it's like over like, five pitches. I get it. So you know you're upset no, by because he said it to me too, and it's like, yeah, you're you know you're smart, and I know you're right. But also, like, <laughs> it's a really good point of like, but like I watch this dude, and I'm just like, I don't know. Man. I know. I trust me. I get that. That's how I get with Jordan Montgomery, right? But the thing is about Bassett. Bassett has because he throws them. I think this is when Eno says this, and it's like a stuff plus kind of gets thrown out the window. Is what he says when it's like five or six pitches, right? You have a deep arsenal, and you actually throw it with some sort of consistency, right? So that's five pitches, six pitches, really actually over 5% usage. 
and uh, five of them over 9%, right? What that really means is that you can get more out of your fastball for cult strikes. That's how I interpret it. Because you can you can squeeze more out of your heater because it's much harder to predict the subtle movements, right? You can't be locked in on heat. You can't be locked in on off speed as much. You have to be more locked in on zones and lanes and and movement. So the fact that the sinker has like a 472 PLV, right? We don't like it either, even based on where it's located and the stuff of it. It has a near 28% called strike rate. This is the magic of Chris Bassett is that the sinker that shouldn't really be that great is amplified so much by these five other pitches. Not only does it have that cold strike rate, you would think, well, okay, they're just not swinging at it. When they swing at it, they must crush it. 31% ICR and change, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's insane. This is a pitch he throws about 40% of the time. That's the magic of Chris Bassett. And I understand how boring it looks because, like, it's just how does he keep getting away with this? He's just chucking this heater in there at 92 miles per hour. And, like, they just either let it go or they're just not destroying it but it's because of the whole arsenal which is something trust me we're on the same page i hate that argument i absolutely it drives me mad because it's so much of an exception right but the thing is this is this works and i can understand why it's just not sexy it's not amazing and it's not incredible and it's just all right well it's because for for me it's because the it working is predicated on him it's predicated on so many other things also working, yeah a right? lot of like variables it, involved like it's yeah. not that oh he has this one pitch to rely on it's yeah. it's the like basically like he is a really intricate machine and if one part starts to be out of whack then the whole thing could fall apart and so that's what scares me a little bit is so many things need to be going right for bassett to continue to be this good because it requires the whole pitch mix to keep hitters off balance to have hitters not be swinging at some of the pitches that he's throwing in there and at any one point um it could like a house of cards collapse um mm-hmm. but but i hear what you're saying i mean you know Eno, that is a valid point i can't necessarily just assume that the bottom is going to fall out at some point um he has proven that he's you know been able to sustain low threes ERAs with you know workable 22 23% strikeout rates over the last few years why not continue to do it um yeah. and he reminds me of another pitcher you have in this tier and actually we'll talk about that after this break so we're going to skip somebody real quick but we will come back to them because i think the pitcher that Bassett reminds me of is is kind of Merrill Kelly Mm. where they're similar in the sense that like the the whole is greater than the you know the individual parts sure that like they both are guys who throw a lot of pitches yep. they're both guys who um don't have a standout pitch necessarily to fall back on if things aren't going well i mean they have good pitches but i mean they're not you know spencer strider i'm just going to throw the slider if i need to um, Merrill Kelly's track record, obviously not as long as Chris Bassett. I mean, we only really have two years of Merrill Kelly after coming back to the major leagues pitching at this level. He showcased a little more swing and miss last year, but I don't know that I buy a, a 26% strikeout rate. But am I off base in saying that Bassett and Kelly kind of succeed in similar ways? Yes. <laughs> all right uh i mean and i understand because you have the uh the six pitch mix 
it makes all the sense what you're saying. Um, I'm saying it because I the changeup is this like glorious O swing pitch. It's a 50% O swing, uh, and like and he really can rely on this to get out of a, a ton of problems. It's a five four two PLV. You're talking about Mel, Mel Kelly now. Yeah, Merrill Kelly. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, um, Renee Decker got to talk to Merrill Kelly. Asked a great question about how did his change of all of a sudden transform in the last two years, and how has that affected his forcing, which jumped from like a sub ten percent swing striker to all of a sudden like a near twelve percent the past year. And I, uh, and you know, props to Renee because Merrill was like, "That's a good question." I was like, "Hearing that, I was like, oh man, Renee, killing it." Okay. Um, and uh, first and foremost, I didn't know this. He changes the grip on his changeup before twenty twenty two. Uh, and they're okay, easy enough. It's a new changeup, and that's clearly great. And he has a feel for that now, and that makes him more believable for me that that's going to stick around. Uh, the four seamer, he didn't really have a good answer. And any time a pitcher tell doesn't have a good answer for why a pitch is succeeding more, then it's not going to stick around, right? That I don't actually think that this four seamer is going to be an eleven or twelve percent swing strike rate. He was saying more so that because of the effectiveness of the changeup, it just allowed him to get more you know, attack more with the four seamer. Um, but he was just like, I kind of don't really know. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, okay, right, there's, the, there's the answer there. Um, the one element that I, uh, I think is another separator between Kelly and Bassett is they don't, he doesn't really have a called strike pitch. Uh, it's a 22% on the four seamer and it gets crushed at a 44% ICR while Bassett has the foundation of a cha- of a sinker that is just very much like, I'm going to sink this thing in and I'm just going to take you down with that. And then nothing else is really that exceptional. And it's a little different with Kelly where he's trying to just sneak by with a four seamer. And then hopefully the change up of the cutter or the curve or something else saves them. Um, also, the Diamondbacks defense is better than Bassett's. Um, so, Jays. And that certainly has helped my view of um, of Kelly and Gallon um, mm-hmm. the past year or two. Uh, I prefer Bassett because I trust the sinker to just kind of be there always for him and the way that he does it while Kelly's a little bit stranger. Um, even that change up with the high O swing still at a 38% O swing. Sorry, uh, ICR. Four seamer again, 44% ICR versus the 32% of Bassett's sinker. Uh, so I'm a little more questionable about it. 26% carry rate should come down. Should be maybe slightly mm-hmm. more strikeouts and there's some slight flirtation with 200 strikeouts if like he's able to go every five days or so and then becomes like 180 you know 80 plus inning guy uh but uh, yeah again i keep going back and forth on kelly and he has good command it's not like he has bad command um and because he has good command it kind of keeps the floor somewhat high that should be a team that wins enough so he should be a 10 plus win guy and honestly as you go deeper and deeper in the draft you're going to find fewer and fewer guys you can rely on for that so kelly shouldn't be bad for your teams i don't think he's gonna be a 26 percent carry so he's just in this tier yeah i it's, you know, you and I have talked a lot about pitchers who rely on change-ups for it to be their primary out sure. strike, yeah. especially right-handers primarily, right? Because right-handers, right-handed change-ups or right-handed hitters, historically speaking, are generally not the most reliable or they don't do it. Strike pitches yeah. if, you're, <laughs> if you are looking for like a two, like, you know, two yeah, strikes. Riskier, put generally. Um, yeah. And so that, I guess, has me think, less of Merrill Kelly as a, a pitcher with like a one really great pitch to rely on. But your your point is valid. I mean, it, he is using it in a way that is is actually having success with that. Also, the the point about the new grip remind like it's valid. It's reminding me also like in 2021 I interviewed um Steve Vote who um was an old teammate of mine who was 
with the Diamondbacks then who talked about Merrill Kelly changing grips and trying to work through things and the fact that he was still kind of like figuring stuff out. And sometimes, as we mentioned, it takes it takes time for, you know, changes to sink in. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we know that Merrill Kelly is somebody who has been tinkering with his pitch mix and shapes and grips. Um, and yeah, he may have started doing it in 2021, but maybe he found the, you know, the combination that works for him or the comfort level with it in 2023, which would suggest maybe that some of those gains aren't as out of nowhere as maybe it looks sure. if you're just staring at the the stats. And, Man, so I'm actually, um, I, I want to actually bring something up because this is something brand new. Okay. Brand new stuff here at Pitcher List. I I'm doing a big article on it tomorrow. Uh, if you're listening to this, go check out our player pages. We have new updates for the site. We're working on career data should be up tonight. So that means tomorrow morning or that would be on Tuesday or it should be on Wednesday. So that's career data, but we have all our new PLV stats and we've actually reshaped how our repertoire section looks to incorporate ICR on the overview, um, to have hit luck on the overview, hitter performance on the overview and mistake rate on the overview. And hopefully soon we'll have striker as well. That's strike minus ICR right there too. And so mistake rate, if you guys don't know this, Kyle Blaine put this out last week, uh, is essentially a pitch in the zone that has double the chance of allowing a hit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Double the chance. And what you be found is that Blake's now had like a 3%, which is absolutely bonkers. And the next best was Yuri Perez around like 4.3%, which is as a second best. So generally it's like, if you look at mistake rate, 172nd percentile of America, Merrill Kelly at 10.6% overall. And I'm looking against right-handers and trying to figure out, okay, cool. What is the the pitch that's not allowing mistakes and stuff that actually is a change up 15% usage only 7% mistake rate, but the cutter with a, with a ICR of just 25% somehow had a 17% I mistake rate. Like according to us, we think that this cutter should just get crushed so much more had a minus 16 hit luck on it. Um, That might fall apart is my point mm-hmm. uh, in, in future seasons. So I'd be a little cautious on that. That might just be kind of like the thing that tied everything together uh, for Kelly last year with a 66% strike rate on that. And uh, that seems very precarious. I did. Uh, it, it took me a little while today when I was looking at the player pages. To, like, what's going like, on? What is this? Why is everything, why is everything moved? I knew exactly <laughs> where I had to go, what I clicked to, and I was like, why is everything different? Um, so with the rest of these guys in the tiers, we've all talked to the, we've all talked about them at various points. So... Um, Guys, you are seemingly higher on or interested in the ranking here is positive. Brian Bayo, Christopher Sanchez, guys, you are relatively kind of like tepid on in this tier. Walker Bueller, Jordan Montgomery, Jose Barrios also is in this tier. Anybody you feel like you need to shed a little bit of extra light on or um, Christopher Sanchez discussion on the the craft with Eno Sarah certainly worth listening to if anybody wants to like really kind of dive deep on on Nick's thoughts on him um it might be too high on him but i i I just feel like he's gonna go every five days and his efficiency is so good and uh what's his mistake rate i'm sure his mistake rate yeah it's fine it's like nine percent okay i but anyway yeah it's a six percent change up oh my gosh all right um yeah nothing really i mean bayo leaning in on the slider more is gonna be exciting brio says whatever we know what that is i guess it's fine uh, you hit the nail on the head with Sanchez being the most interesting one. Walker Bueller is apparently sitting 92-94 in bullpens, but I'm going to tell everyone right now, he's not 
trying to throw as right, hard exactly. as he can right now. Yeah. So who cares? <laughs> yes. Like don't don't change anything based on that, please. Um, and then Jordan Montgomery, I just I think anyone that I've really talked to about Jordan Montgomery, I've yet to find someone who's like, no, I'm so in on Jordan Montgomery. I feel like everyone I've talked to is fading Jordan Montgomery. So, mm-hmm. except that is his ADP keeps going up. It's wild to me. I don't understand. Um, no Brian Bayo with an eleven. So explain like Brian Bayo eleven point four percent mistake rate on his sinker. So mm-hmm. with mistake rate being a new metric, is that something yeah. that concerns you or? You know, sinkers, obviously, you can maybe be a little bit less precise with it because he could still, you know, induce yep. ground balls with it. So, with so I want to want to make sure it's clear. Mistake rate is just in general in a vacuum, this pitch, um, regardless of what else he throws in his arsenal. Just we give PLV a mark. It's like, is this a good pitch or not? Just on its own. And I can imagine someone like Bayo, who is so good with his changeup and he mirrors his changeup so well uh, with that sinker. Like they look so similar. That you're going to get better results than expected uh, on that sinker, and what you know, I'm I'm seeing the 31% ICR on that one, and the way I just said, like, well, the cutter Nick for Merrill Kelly should get worse. Maybe actually, this is a point to Kelly saying, like, maybe there's something about the cutter that looks so similar to the four seamer that is why that 25% ICR is possible. Um, the fact that Bayo has a 31% ICR with a 36% usage on that sinker to me, that's just like, yeah. He's fine. It, it's all good. He has a really good changeup too. And the slider is going to be utilized more. It's a new one. And I'm very excited about that pitch too. Yeah, me too. Um, um, he showcased it at the end of last year, got a lot more swings and misses with it. Um, results weren't great, but as we talked about, he had just, he had just started kind of tinkering with it. It takes some time. Um, so uh, excited to see that in the spring. Uh, this next tier, a lot of pitchers were excited to see things from, uh, it's tier eight. Nick called it hundred dollars at the mall, um, <laughs> which may make it easy to name it. Uh, but it's starting pitcher 50, Carlos Rodon, starting pitcher 51, Nathan Eovaldi, 52, Gavin Williams, 53, Christian Javier, 54, Ryan Pepio, 55, Cutter Crawford, 56, Louis Varlin, 57, Bryce Miller, 58, Yusei Kikuchi. 59, Luis Severino, and 60, Lucas Giolito. And there's a 61 in this tier, but you won't know who it is until you hear the next episode. Uh, so what is this tier called and why is it called that? Okay. Well, what's snow day activity? Here's the thing. I think it was a blizzard of 96. I don't know if you remember that one. Yes. <laughs> of course you do. I mean, there was like 2003 and then there was 96. 96, we uh, we tied a inner tube to the back of the Toyota Land Cruiser that we had. And my dad drove it around the streets of lower Manhattan because nobody was out in the streets. And we just drove and basically went tubing That's down amazing. the streets of Battery Park City. That's so good. Yeah. Um, what we did is all the cars were snowed in. It was pretty much just like snow was just over all of the cars, essentially. So we built, because we're small enough, I was like eight years old, caves in the snow. So we had like our own little pockets, like where the cars in the curb were of just like, this is just where we were. Like my friends were like a different cave and everything like that. That's uh, I would say caving. That is, that's my favorite. favorite. New York, the old New York city snow caving in next to the car. It's like the car, the, cave. the car cave. So this is the car cave. And uh, what better than Carlos Rodon 
who is a binary player to me that is like he either is going to be hurt and you're going to get nothing or he's going to be great and incredible and like yeah i can't he's the first one out of the like i know i'm going to get value tier right i don't love it i gotta draft him i guess because it's going to help my team whatever i'm not excited about it but i'm gonna get this is a positive to my team that's pretty much the, the last tier i was trying to put cease all the way here but i was like fine whatever but rodan is like okay we're gonna know more in spring and if you if, look if he's sitting 95 96 like sitting not hitting you're gonna see hitting and everyone's gonna get excited and the word hitting does not matter to me it's sitting okay average velocity please not your max so if he's sitting 95 96 ideally 96 at least by the end of the of the his bullpens or whatever then we're good. If he's sitting like 93, then we're out. You know, 94, I'm like, uh, is he pushing it yet? I don't know. Like, I want to, I want to see some hint of him sitting 95, 96 at the very least. Uh, but it's just so like he has the forearm strain and that generally means like some things are bad. And then he came back and then he saw 96 for two starts and then it was 94, 93. And like, that's just clearly something's wrong. And it's so risky to me. I don't have a good feeling about this. I uh, so I'm at 15. I'm curious why I mean, it's it's super arbitrary, but like I lumped him in with Verlander and Cease because I have the same kind of like if it works, you know, the talent's there, but there's so much risk that I'm kind of like questioning it. And obviously, you know, he's still in that range. You have him in just a different tier. But does that to you suggest like even more concern or worry about Rodon, or is it just how it broke out? It's uh, I mean, I. Uh... Yeah, it, it just looks like a story of just like, well, this isn't going to work. You know, it, it's just for me with Rodon, there's just so much more signs that we don't want to look at because, no, he was so good before. And like, but clearly it's just the same thing because who knows? No, there's there's more of a sign. I think that it's not going to work. But but I recognize that like it could be great. So all right, here he is. You you have some other risky veterans in this tier. Um Nathan Yavaldi at 51, we understand the, you know, success has historically been tied to velocity for him. Um, it fell apart uh, and injuries, obviously it fell apart at the end of last year, but then he did what he does in the playoff. Yeah, that was so funny. Out and, you know, is that great. was like, I, mean, I don't know what he was taking to just numb the pain or something like yeah. that's what has to have been. He also was very splitter heavy, much more secondary heavy in the playoffs. And I honestly believe that most pitchers are because they really do grasp like batters have more adrenaline and they want to crush fastballs and they're going to be more aggressive on it. Pablo made a really good point in his interview about um, I, I always say this man on second base first pitch every single time. The first pitch that you throw with a man on second is generally not a fastball. And Pablo's like, yep, that's pretty much it. I'm like, well, what is that? Why are you doing that? And he goes, well, when a batter comes up, they want the next man up. They want to be aggressive. They want to go quick. They want to, they want to do that. And they're mm-hmm. going to go and chase the first pitch. They're going to go after it. And that's the feeling as a hitter is you're not going to be passive. Like to calm the game down and be like slow and patient with it is like, that's really hard to ask, especially like in the world series, you know? So it's no surprise to me that pitchers take advantage of that and throw more secondaries in these situations. Right. And they're more careful with it and they're not just chucking in a heater. So that's what we saw from Evaldi. But then it's not going to be the playoffs anymore, <laughs> right? And uh, and he's probably not going to be on the same whatever to ensure that he's throwing as hard as he is. And we know that he's not as good when he doesn't throw hard. So, yeah, this is very risky to me. 
And uh, I mean, but he's still gonna be good when he pitches, probably. That's sure. Just, I don't want to deal with it, so he's bound down here. Yeah, and he'll be, he might be great at the start of the year when he's healthy and the velocity is there, and then and then who knows? Uh, the yep. other two guys who are veterans who are a little uh, nervy, risky. Uh, sorry, nervy. Um, I like that. They're a little. They make me a little nervy. Nervous, nervy. I guess. Yeah, I've never described nervy. myself as nervy, but I, I'm I'm going to nervy. Now. Nervy is a word. I'm not using it correctly, but we'll we'll let it Listen. we'll let it go. Okay. Um, but three <laughs> veterans who are a little risky, who we'll talk about after this break, are Christian Javier, Luis Severino, and Lucas Giolito. So here's the thing, Eric. Christian Javier is entering his third season. He's not a veteran. As a full-time, third season is a full-time starter. Okay, okay. Uh, and then you say Kikuchi, I thought was the one that you're going to say well, is a veteran. I, I actually, but I, I don't find him to be as risky as these guys, mm. um, because you know you and I have talked about that fun his, one though. That his gains, his one. gains connected to um, the hip bone. To yes, and the <laughs> neck bone, but to like to a very clear change. So I, I don't find him as as risky. I guess I I'm shocked that Christian Javier is still 26 years old. There's some yeah, part veteran. He was older than that. <laughs> um, uh, but I guess veteran also in the sense of like if you're comparing him to the other guys in this tier is what I was doing of like mm. Gavin Williams, Ryan Pepio, Cutter Crawford, Louis Varlin, Bryce Miller. Like those those yeah, guys Cutter are Crawford's all like older than Christian Javier. Stop it. 27. Oh, he is. He just hasn't really been in the, <laughs> in the main. But he has I far think less. That, wait, hold on a second. Cutter, oh, no, okay. But Cutter Crawford has only two years of major league experience. So yes, he is. He is older. But in terms of, you know, he has less than he has less than half of the experience, the service time that uh-huh. Christian Javier does. Sure. Anyway, <laughs> semantics, semantics here. But of the of the Severino, Javier, Kikuchi. Yeah giolito grouping sure. are you do you have similar levels of like hesitation or risk with with uh, those no, guys it's or? completely different um so considering the fact that christian javier has only had one year of being a full-time starter uh it's a little bit stranger from yes one year he was a relief pitcher for the beginning of 2022 we were comparing him to spencer strider at that time and it was very frustrating but yeah, of course, the veteran. I'm just going to leave. He made, this he made 30 appearances and 25 of them were starts. Yeah, he was a reliever in April and we were waiting for it to happen. Okay. I still would get, I still would veteran get Christian full, Javier. Veteran Christian Javier has two years as a full time starter. I still <laughs> one year. Two years. Two. One year. Okay. Anyway, um, no, with, with Christian Javier, what's so interesting to me is that it's so simple of what he needs to do to fix it. Not I think so that Severino and Giolito are different. While Christian Javier, even though he lost a take on his fastball, its results were the same. And the fact that he had, get this, a 5% mistake rate on that fastball the entire year. Like, that's something else. He does not, these are not mistake pitches, right? The slider didn't have a lot of mistakes, but he just didn't throw strikes. It was a 57% strike rate. His stuff is still so good. It's just that, hey, that slider... Just by, his, by his stuff, you mean his two pitches. Yeah, but they're great. Except that he just didn't throw enough strikes to the slider. Sure. Like I, I remember this time last year, I was pretty much saying that Christian Javier is just like Spencer Strider as far as the results of these pitches. And they generally are actually arguably better because of the ICR rates. Like the contact he allows is so much better than Spencer Strider's. I remember with Strider, what the, the, the terrifying thing is that he has like 44% plus ICRs, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, with Christian Javier, fastball is 37%. The slider is 33 Like, these do not get hit nearly as hard as as striders, but he doesn't throw strikes enough with his slider. And, like, that's the that's the issue. I'm, I, I really, I can't express this enough. His slider just needs to throw more strikes. And now I'm not going to say that the slider is the same as Spencer Striders, okay? He just can't. Striders is so good because of the four-seamer being such high velocity that guys are selling at earlier on it, which means that that slider has like a 25 to 30% swing strike rate. While Christian's Javier's is just like a, was last year was a 10%. And the previous year was a 17%. Like not the same level there. And that's why Javier is not a strider. And I was it was a mistake of mine to compare them last year. That said, these are two absurdly effective pitches and all Javier needs to do is get back to the 62% strike rate he had with the slider the previous year. Like that's, that's it. Yeah, I I still, sure. I Everything you're saying is, is logical. Um, I have a little bit of like this gnawing, I just don't trust it. Um, and I also like, I think that they like keeping him around 150 160 innings uh dana brown came out today and said both luis garcia and lance mccullers are tracking to be ready for the second half of the season um it just really i mean yes fingers crossed obviously given injury history i feel much better about luis garcia returning um second half is you know he's a long ways away july september Luis Garcia um, had like oh. May Tommy John, so who knows? Yeah. And then I mean, yes, Lance McCullers I, is whatever. <laughs> yeah, never. Yeah, nobody yeah. ever knows when Lance McCullers is getting yeah. out. Um, I just have some fear that Christian Javier is just better suited in a multi-inning relief role with his two pitches. Where um, I I just don't I don't know that there's a really long leash here. Like, I don't think it's like a quick hook after a couple bad starts in April, but it wouldn't surprise me if he got off to a rough start and the Astros just said, you know what? Who? Who's going to get it? Well, f- first of all, um, if I mean, again, I think I'm also factoring in when those when those pitchers return. But as of right now, depending on, you know, like how it actually shakes out, JP France is not in the rotation. Um, he has been a serviceable starter. You're right. Um, no, you're right. Uh, I'm could, of, actually, he, I think it's going to be Arkady, not. I think France is going to. I think. Be I think France is out right now. Really? Well, I mean, oh, that's Arkady what Roster could, Resource Arkady says. Arkady yeah. Right, now. right. Roster Resource. I didn't yeah. look and see what you know. What are well, Mike Curlin is more is in lineups. Yeah. Um, listen, I never am like assuming Forrest Whitley is going to. You know. No, no. The, I think they're going to have him as a reliever. I don't think I actually put him on my prospects because he's should be a reliever. Yeah, and then I don't know. Last year, people were super excited about um, Spencer Aragetti. I don't know if you, how you pronounce. No, I put him in there. Name, no, I'm not. I'm you know. fine. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think it would be more. I think it would be more um, Urquidy slash uh, JP France, whoever's not in there, until Luis Garcia comes back, and then it's Luis Garcia or it's Lance McCullers or, or whoever. Anyway, right. it's more just my concerns about Christian Javier as a full time starting pitcher. Um, and whether he has the depth of the arsenal, because if that pitch, if he's not throwing a slider for strikes, he doesn't have as much to fall back on. Yeah, no, that's um, an understandable concern. Uh, truly, and that's he doesn't have anything to fall back on. What do you know? It's a four or five six ERA with a one twenty seven whip, right? right? Like that's and and the fastball velocity was down last it year. It was, too. and it didn't matter. <laughs> right. 
but but what I mean is like there there were other there are other things going on that suggest mm -hmm. just that, that the lack of effectiveness it was it was not as crisp of a season and it could easily bounce back and we'll see in spring you know it's one of those things where it's like if he has command of the slider in spring you might feel a little bit better about it um, if JP France and Jose Arquiti don't look good don't look like there's anybody who's going to challenge him you know it, we could feel a little bit more confident I I just. I feel a healthy dose of skepticism. I feel better about Luis Severino, who to me, I thought was also, you know, we chatted about this on one of the earlier podcasts. Like it was a lot having to do with the fastball last year. Obviously the whole season was a mess, but the fastball was a glaring issue. Um, and I feel like that's one of those things where if you can see the fastball fixed, if you can see that IVB coming back in the right. spring, then I feel more comfortable about Luis Severino bouncing back than I do Christian Javier. Did you know that we have IVB on our player pages now? Um, Did you know this? So guys, you can actually, this is one of the coolest parts is that we have yeah. stuff and that's a, that's oh, underneath the repertoire stuff. tab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's IVB oh, VAA extension and, IVB, yeah. and height adjusted VAA. When I talk about VAA, everyone, I only really care about that height adjusted VAA. And that pretty much is just giving you the, sh the showcase of like, hey, look, if he does, she be throwing this upstairs or downstairs, right? Should be throwing it up in the zone or low. If it's underneath one, that means it should be thrown low. That means it's more steep. And if it's above one, if it's like 1.2 or higher, that means that's good for like going upstairs. Okay. So Severino's, uh, his height adjusted VAA got worse. So he's going a little bit higher up on release 0.8 this past year versus, uh, one. And then, uh, is IVB that is vert. Used to be around 17, like 16.7. That was great. It was 17, 20, I'm sure sticky stuff. But 15.4. And that's not good. That's not like MLB average is, is around 15. And 15.4 is too pedestrian. Like there's this middle grouping where you don't want to live. Uh, and it's around, you don't want to be underneath 16 at all. Uh, so that needs to come back as you mentioned, as you mentioned, extensions, like not good. It's 6.2, which is 21st percentile. Like you want to see like six, four, six, five and above, um, six, five is the MLB average and that's fine. Uh, so that needs to return. There's also a lot of talk about like tipping pitches. Um, I think it was very strange how bad this changeup and slider were. Uh, and it just felt so weird that it wasn't, they weren't performing as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things that I can be convinced that like Severino just works on all this stuff. I think he's either working with a tread or driveline. Like, yeah, I sent I that was one of the other things I sent you was See, the, this the, is what Eric does, guys, was the Severino bullpen because yeah. that was another thing where it was like you don't want to read too much into, you know, driveline bullpens in February. Um, but when you when you have pitchers who are working on a particular thing right right um that's like shane bieber's velocity in the last bullpen it's like okay we don't want to read too much into it because can he sustain can he sustain it, was it? also but, like in front of scouts and trying to get signed right or like trying to like showcase things more sure. you know but it's also you take note and you just write it down somewhere because you're like okay velocity matters to him it matters to his performance i'll just make a mental note that it's there so for right. severino it was like you know um 
Severino mentioned specifically tipping pitches, but we also talked about the, you know, the IVB on it. Um, he is going to, he went to driveline specifically to not only just work on the secondaries, but also to, to hone the mechanics and things like that, which would help, which would prevent tip pitches, which would theoretically help IVB. So you see the results of a bullpen. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm just registering a pitcher who was an ace at one point, maybe not a fantasy ace, but you know, whatever, close to it. Right. Um, who is clearly working to address flaws and I just have some faith that, you know, he will correct those things. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I really do want to correct. Like, Shane B, we're not throwing in front of scouts and stuff. Obviously, there's another year left with the Guardians. Um, but I, there was like a, I, I remember they were saying like this, like a focused day where it's like a showcase day almost. Yeah, they do. They do. Driveline does that kind of stuff where they. Right. They were like, hey, let's look at the work that we've been doing this week. Right. It was, and know, it live feels like I always put some question mark on it. One of the things I remember is Mitch Keller throwing 100.9 on the gun. Right. And it's kind of like that's the moment you're supposed to. So I'm not quite going to just say, oh, well, all right. He's throwing 93 now. Everything's fixed. Uh, I hope that's the case, but um, not quite there yet. Sure. Um, let's talk about some of the younger guys that we alluded to before i just want to we'll take this guy in in his talk about him in a vacuum because i think it's so hard to rank ryan pepio because you have to do some sort of wish forecasting on what he'll be with the rays no i mean he was great last year super small sample size we have no idea what the rays are going to do with him is that kind of your ranking of just saying i believe in some baseline of talent and i believe in the organization um he has a lot of vert he has really good extension and he has fine enough uh just a va which means that this forcing should be upstairs all the time right so cool that's what he totally did last year wait what he had 44 percent high lock right because that's a and now he's going to the rays who are all about high lock and they just traded for him um yeah he's going to do that <laughs> uh he had a 10 percent swing strike rate last year and pepio to me with Finally, the season they figured out the changeup. It's so funny. I've mentioned this so many times, but Ryan Pepio came up as like a changeup first guy and it was like an 80 grade future value changeup. And what does he do? He throws, throws a 44% strike rate with it across 25% usage in 2022. And what does he do? What do you know? It's a 17% walk rate in 36 innings. And how does he get to all of a sudden now a what? 3% walk rate? Am I reading that right? Oh my gosh. Because he throws 68% strikes now in that changeup. And it's 35% usage. And that's amazing. Uh, so mix those two together and you have yourself the Merry Christmas. And you have yourself a wonderful one-two punch uh, with an actual solid slider too that he improved as the season went on. I mean, even mentioned that he was coming back in the second half of the year and be like, hey, I've got a new slider. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty effective. So yeah, I, I like this three-pitch mix. The biggest concern I have about Pepeo to the Rays is uh, limitations. Um, they are not going to push him a ton. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a lot of five and dives or five and change or whatever. Not good for quality start leagues, but production. I mean, I don't, I think everyone's fading him because it's like, oh, 186 Babbitt. Oh, like a 99% left on base rate. Like, I don't care what his 2023 stats were. It was 42 innings. Like, I don't, I don't care about the actual ERA and whip from last year. That's not any of my analysis here. My analysis is 
how good is his arsenal? And right. his arsenal speaks to actually being pretty successful at the major league level for a really good team. That's a cool thing. And they're going to lean on him because they don't really have too much inside the rotation. It's like really Taj Bradley fighting with mm-hmm. like there's two spots for Taj Bradley, Boz and Pepio, I think, right? Savali and Eflin and one other guy I'm forgetting, Latell. Uh, uh, I really hope it's not Latell. Um, but Pepio should be getting those innings. Yeah. I also have uh, noticed. The Rays obviously have added sweepers to some of their other pitchers, um, and I think potentially uh, tweaking Pepio's slider, which is not a bad pitch, but I think it could be a little more dynamic, especially as a swing and miss pitch, um, could be something that I I find intriguing. Um, I think that there's some room for growth there. We actually differentiate now. We have a whole new thing for sweeper. You guys, I'm telling you, big update this year, okay? It's PLX. Which I did terrible marketing for, but it's our 10th edition of Pitcher List, and it comes with sweepers now having their own individual things. So you're wondering, is that slider a sweeper? It is not. It's not. No. It's not. It, so maybe could, maybe there is a sweep. But it could which be. Which actually would make sense because he's so changeup focused, right? Sweepers yeah. you do against righties, changeups you do against lefties. I would love, um, I don't know if this is a Kyle Bland thing that that he could do, um, but he could do anything. So so probably. Yeah, he's pretty amazing. Um, but when you're just talking about like Oh, he's got, you know, this kind of like VAA and it, this pitch would work really well thrown high, but the Dodgers don't do that. It's like, is there a way to try to identify like organizational pitching philosophies based on these stats you have for pitchers? Like, do the Dodgers That's tend to throw lower, question. like lower Honestly, high lock? If anyone is listening to us right now and can and wants to just shoot us a text or not text a a, a tweet um, with this. I would love to see. That's actually what Kyle did yeah. about uh, about two years ago. So Because I saw, like, it, it reminded me, I read Alex Chamberlain's article on Fangraphs today about pulled fly balls, and he had an art- a thing at the end of, like, which teams hit the most percentage of pulled fly balls over the last three years, and can you identify an organizational philosophy? And you can start to see that, too, of, like, which teams, A, throw the most sweepers or, you know, whatever right. you Look at pitch mix or which teams throw the most fastballs up versus fastballs low. And then you could start to, we could then have a, a way to suggest, oh, pitcher is moving from team A to team B. Team B's philosophy is more geared toward this. Yeah. Changes. I think that's a really great question. And we'll obviously uh, we'll look into that. And if you are listening right now, I want to look into that and uh, we'd love to see it. Great stuff. And the, hey, thanks. The last pitcher we'll look into for this episode. Oh, last two, actually. Yeah, we got two. Um, Your Louis Varlin ranking, uh, I'm assuming, is based on him. You're hoping he gets the rotation spot. If he doesn't, you would move him down. But I know that you believe that he is way more uh, fantasy-friendly than than Chris Paddock. Um, Bryce Miller, we alluded to him at the beginning. You're just like wait and see mode on on his new secondaries um, i might be you know i i see my bryce miller mark and i'm i'm probably too low on this um i mean if there's anyone inside this i'm like nick what are you doing it's bryce miller i uh, because as much as i really love ryan pepio and Cody crawford and, and varland like i gotta have bryce miller above it uh especially considering that look the new pitch thing i don't really like signing up for we're seeing the nice splitters I can't tell you how many bullpen videos I've seen. And every single time I'm like, 
he doesn't know where it's going. It's not like Bryce Miller. Like every time I see a bullpen video, I want to see one where guys hit their spots. <laughs> I don't want to see like the radar gun. I don't want to see the movement. Just like hit your spots while doing it. It doesn't matter if you can't hit your spots. So Bryce Miller, like I, I saw a couple of them and you saw like the good ones, but you know that there are a lot of bad ones in there. Sure. And what Bryce Miller really needs is not a splitter. <laughs> What does he need, Eric? You know, what does he need? Um, let's see. I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking back at my own. Um, my own. This, this is the the Glasnow problem. Like Glasnow he, tried he, to learn how to splitter for a moment, and like he, he did much worse. Did he much worse against, or his his four seam did much worse against righties? Left. Really. Yeah, well, that's why he started adding in the sinker because he the sinker he used the sinker more to righties to keep them off the four seam because he was struggling earlier on in the season with the four seam against righties. Um, because he does the same thing where he doesn't really elevate the four seam. Uh, I'm gonna push back on this. Uh, sorry, 18 percent swing strike rate, 39 percent ICR with his four seamer, and then 12 percent swing strike rate and 46 percent ICR against lefties. Bryce Miller is the four seamer. Uh, I mean, to me, it's like, that's, yeah, he needs a tool against lefties, and I understand that's for the full. That's that's good. also for the full. full you're year. talking about for his full year. Yeah. I I would go back. I'm going to go back and look at it. My when I went and looked before, and I was using um, Alex Chamberlain's like month by month breakdown yeah. on his pitch leaderboard. Uh, my recollection is that the four seam against righties got better as he started to mix in the sinker more. Mm. Um, and that might be skewing the overall yeah, yeah, sure. numbers, but it's but nice. certainly something to look back at. What I'm getting at is he needs another pitch to throw for strikes. And yes. that that's really it. Like he needs something, to th- especially against lefties, like sinker helped with that with righties, but against lefties, you need one to throw for strikes. So it's like a cutter is what really needs to happen. Well, he, And he has these two sliders. He has like this gyro and the yeah. sweeper and neither but one of them not, is particularly that, that good. That slider is not a strike but, pitch, right? That's a that's against lefties. It was right. a 58% strike pitch. But so could like you, you, could you make splitter, that harder? Yeah, but could you make like that, that gyro slider more like of a, a cutter? Sixty-five percent strike pitch. That's going to be like a fifty-five to sixty you're hoping for, and like, uh, that's not going to. It's nice, but like that's too volatile for me. This right. like, guys, if he had another strike pitch already, and this is just like, well, I don't know how to strike out lefties. Oh my gosh, I'm so in. That's amazing. That's exactly what he should be throwing, right? But like, that's not the problem. So if it's he adds the splitter and then the gyro slider becomes more of a cutter, and then yeah. you're talking. Then, then I'm like, that's, okay. That's what right. I wrote in my breakdown is like, there is a path forward for Miller, but it does involve more than a few changes. Right. Oh, look. Hey, look. Perhaps a new pitch for lefties, like a cutter. It's my last sentence in my Oh, because you're amazing, Eric. Well, I think it's because we talked about it more than enough, and now I just yeah. I have your, I have <laughs> um, your thought. Speaking of cutters, uh, there's Cutter Crawford. Um, and you guys might be saying, like, Nick, why are you so high on this guy? Uh, because I think his VA is amazing. His vert is amazing. His extension's fine. Um, and he also has a much better cutter, which is the only Easter egg we ever have on any player page. Yes, it starts with the K, which is so good at getting glove side. Then he also has this uh, sweeper and slider and curveball. And, like, he has a pretty full repertoire. Mm-hmm. And... He had a 26% K rate last year that I think is very real. He had a sub eight hit for nine last year, which I think is very real. 
and a sub 7% walk rate that I think is very real. Like he's got all the good things. Uh, it's in such a good situation. The Red Sox have a battle at the bottom, but I think it's Hauk and Whitlock, not Cutter Crawford. So I love this one. And then uh, just for the sake of time, uh, then Lucas Giolito is also there. And Giolito is like my least favorite Red Sox. Like, I I understand how this could turn around. You made some great points about him before, about maybe just turning this around and getting a new situation, Andrew Bailey, all that kind of stuff. Um, at the end of the day, I just feel like his four-seamer is just not good enough. And that is a problem. You know, it's a bad VAA. He has good vert on it. He has good extension. But without the good VAA, it's going to hurt him still. Unless he's precise with it, which he really isn't. Um, his uh, It's just, you know, it's a 45% ICR last year on it. And uh, uh, it can be good. And he was good before, but I remember even when it was going well, I was like, this is working, I guess. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of mental stuff about him jumping around and everything. He should be fine. It's just not really like, I just don't think he's going to be a 3 5 ERA with a 110 whip again. You know? No, I, I think I mentioned I think I have him more as like a three seven three eight guy in my head. Um yeah. but I, I think that he's better than people are making him out to be, but I don't think he's you know, like you said, I don't think he's a three five ERA guy. It is a weird world to live in where like I think that like the Red Sox pitching development is gonna be good. <laughs> and like we might not see it like immediately. Like we might not see the results of that in 2024 because right. a lot of these guys were just brought in and are, are, you know, working on a lot of things. But like we could see some of these young arms make some leaps during the year. Um, they clearly have a plan and they've invested the resources. And so, yeah, like when you take a guy like Cutter Crawford who has above average stuff across a pretty deep arsenal and then you bring in smart pitching guys who are good at not only developing arsenals but also developing a deployment plan for those arsenals and then you're like yeah i could i could see it like he was he was good last year right like a 404 era is better than league average um a 25.6 percent strikeout rate is better than league average and i understand that he you know made 23 starts through eight times out of a bullpen like there is some there are some splits you know things there but there's something workable and now he has people who i trust a little bit more to get that out of him and so i i I understand i i have him in the 60s uh but i'm you know optimistic about him yeah i hope it works out i mean he's at 60 for me so we're pretty much there and look at Um, that we did it we did Oh uh, he's also oh, wait, no, Gavin he's Williams at, exists. Hi, he's at fifty-five. He's at fifty-five for you. Also, okay, but. Gavin Williams. Uh, I, I look two seconds on him. Um, he's more of a extension boy. Um, seven point five extension, like 99th percentile, and doing that at ninety-five and ninety-six means I think comes in like ninety-nine. So this fastball, even though it doesn't have good vert, it's sub fifteen inches of vert. It's VAA. His VA is fine. Like it's it's good. It's not like the greatest VAA, but it's like this, this this should be good. Kind of tells me like, okay, if he's able to get enough strikes with his slider and his curveball as well, then we're cool. Thing is, the slider, sorry, the, the curveball is a 50% strike rate, which is just, oh no. And uh, and the slider is good. It's not exceptional in my view. He's a little too inconsistent with it. So there's more growth that needs to happen for me to get in on Williams. I wish I liked the VAA more or the the vert more. And it wasn't just only extension. 
like Zach Wheeler has a better arm angle, for example, than Gavin Williams does. Um, and that's why his four seamer is just a much better pitch. Also, Gavin Williams, as far as his, uh, his command of it, it's fine. It's not like supreme, you know, and you'll have those days where the curveball works too. And he can have those 12 strikeouts against the Jays. It just is not a lock. As I think a lot of people really have talked about Gavin Williams being like, oh my gosh, it's such an overpowering fastball because of the extension and the velocity. I get that. Um, there's a reason why it only had a 12% swing strike rate. It wasn't like a 15% or so. And that's a little worrisome, especially with a 44% ICR. Um, it's not, it's like, it's good, but it's not, it needs to carry more than it currently is. Um, so that's why I'm a little out on Gavin Williams, but I'm obviously intrigued. Yeah. Some prospect guys that I trust, um, really liked him. So I'm trying not to sour too much on him based off what I saw last year. So I I think I have him in a similar range to you where like, I'm not as excited as I thought I would be, but I'm also willing to, yeah, I have him 61. You have him 52. So we're kind of in the same range. Like I'm willing to be, to be brought back in, but, but I'm not willing to be brought back in on extension boys, which I think maybe we're going to, we're going to have to retire that I don't think we're going to go with he's an extension boy. Um, we'll find some, we'll find something else. Anybody I has, think so. I'll figure that out. Yeah. If anybody, if anybody has another idea for Nick besides extension boy. Um, who is the he's worst a stretch Armstrong. Okay, okay, there you go. Yeah, perfect. Um, well, the final pitcher in Nick's tier, I have ranked higher than a lot of these guys. Um, and you'll have to check us out on the next episode to hear who that is. Um, I'm Eric Samolsky, the Pelican. I'm Nick Pollock, the Lion, as Eric almost forgot to do this. And I, never. I'm going to go dig some, some snow car caves right now. <laughs> <laughs>